We've already been through that gate. It's all, it's bricked in now. There's nothing there. There's not a gate there. Today there are many answers to the question from world religions. Buddhists believe that Jesus was a wise and enlightened man who taught similar things to Buddha. Hindus believe that Jesus was an incarnation of God, similar to Krishna, a wise man. Jehovah's Witnesses believe He was God's first creation, the archangel Michael, who became a man. Mormons believe that He was one of the spirit beings that all humans used to be, the spirit brother of Lucifer, who became the devil. They believe that Jesus was begotten in the flesh by God the Father. Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet and miracle worker, but He was not crucified nor raised from the dead. So they're taking all the power away, if you see. Famous agnostic and author Bertrand Russell, who wrote, Why I Am Not a Christian, said historically it is quite doubtful whether Christ ever existed at all. And if He did, we know nothing about Him. But that's not true, is it? We do know something about Him. It's written in this book. And if people would take the time to read it, they'd find Him. Everybody who sets out to to refute Jesus, that that He isn't real, that He didn't come, ends up becoming a Christian. Why? Because they find it in the book. They find it in history. They find it... In archaeology, they find it in science. When they did the moon landing, when they, when they, we, we walked on the moon, do you realize that they used the Bible to calculate that? They had to calculate that day that stood, the earth stood still. When the sun shined for a whole day, remember? The Old Testament in that story? God had this, had the sun stay up for a whole day. So that they could win the battle? They had to calculate that in. They, they were missing it every time until they figured that in. And then they, then they were able to make that trip. Of course, a lot of people still believe it was done in Hollywood. That they never went to the moon. But you can find the flag still standing on the moon. <laughs> it's there. Verse 15 of of chapter 16. Then he said to them, but who do you say I am? See, it's not enough of what the world says he is. What do you say he is? Who do you say he is? It begins to get deeper now and more personal. If I were to ask you, who do you say Jesus is? What would you say? My Lord and Savior. Anybody else? Who's Jesus to you? My God. My boss. My deliverer. Anybody else? He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's it. Jesus did not ask who they thought He was. He did not ask what they believed uh, Him to be. He asked who He is to them. He wanted to know. 
He wanted to know how they viewed him. Because it's really important. You need to be able to answer that question as quickly as it's asked. Well, who do you say Jesus is? Boom, you need to have an answer. And the, it's, what you've all said is, is right on the money. He is our boss. <laughs> he should be. And we should do everything we can to make our boss look good. Amen? Verse 16. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the great confession that we ask you to repeat every time somebody joins the church. We ask them to do that. Or they're coming to be baptized. We ask them to do that. It was not the first confession made, but it was the first made without any emotion. After Jesus calmed the storm, this terrified fisherman in Matthew fourteen thirty three said, Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Remember, he calmed the waters just by a spoken word. And on that boat were four fishermen. That's what they did for a living. And yet it says they were all frightened. There must have been some big waves. I've been on the Sea of Galilee. It's just a huge lake. It's just a huge lake. Keystone Lake is as big as the Sea of Galilee. I promise it is. You can see from one side to the other. From the, from the mount uh, where he did the Beatitudes, you can see all the way to the other side where the Jordan River then, it drains out into the Jordan River and runs down to the Dead Sea. You can see it. You can be on, 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 the, on the side of it and look across to the Golan Heights and see them. It's just this huge lake. I can't imagine waves being so big on, the, on a lake that it's going to scare fishermen that they're, they're afraid for their life. But that's what it indicates, right? After feeding 5,000 people, Peter says in John 6, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter was stating a fact. He saw the loaves and the fish multiplied right in front of him. 5,000 men, plus the women and children, were fed that day from five loaves and two fish. That's amazing, isn't it? It's a miracle, isn't it? Oh, they've never been to Golden Corral, have they? <laughs> That's a miracle happening every day. The Golden Corral. They just keep bringing the food out, don't they? If one pot gets empty, they bring, before it gets all emptied out, they bring in more. When I had boys in high school at my house, that was the best place to take them. Cause they could get full there. Their mother didn't stand over the stove cooking for hours while they ate. But boy, we could take them to Golden Corral, man. It was, it was like, it was wild to watch them. I remember they started doing steak at Golden Corral. And Mark said, Dad, can I have all the steak I want? I said, Son, just eat till you can't eat anymore. Please. 
And then they, we do that and they get home and what do they do? I'm hungry. <laughs> you are Christ, the Son of the living God. Christ in the Greek is equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah, meaning the anointed one, the one from God, the one who is God. Not only that, but Peter did not, uh, did not uh, say God, but he said Son of the living God. God needs to be active and living in you. It needs to pour out of you. It needs to be obvious. There needs to be a marked difference, change in you. When you come to Christ and you're baptized into Christ, you rise and walk in a new life, there should be evidence that this happened to you. You shouldn't be the same that you've always been. You should be different. And people should notice it. They should notice that you know who Christ is. Even with that confession, Peter's understanding still needed to be completed and updated. And just a few verses later, Jesus talks about His church being built on the rock of Peter's confession. Peter is corrected by Jesus because Peter clearly didn't understand the mission that Jesus came to fulfill. In Matthew 16, let's look at verses 21 through 23. From that time, Jesus began to show to His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Verse 22, Then Peter took Him aside and began to rebuke Him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this uh, shall not happen to you. But he turned to Peter and he said, Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. So Peter didn't see the bigger picture. He only saw a little bit of it. We're the same way, aren't we? If we knew the big picture and believed the big picture, we wouldn't act the way we act. We wouldn't make the choices we make. We've got to see the big picture. There's somebody that you can invite to come to church with you. Oh, I have invited, preacher. I just haven't, I, but I haven't done it in a long time. Well, do it again. Do it again. Keep inviting. Don't stop inviting. Keep inviting and encouraging. Invite and encourage. Invite and encourage. Don't stop. But even with this confession, Peter still had his shortcomings. Peter still needed to grow. Remember what Peter did when after Jesus was arrested in the garden? You know, he cut off the guy's ear. Remember what Jesus told him? Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And what did he do? He denied him three times. And the Bible says that he went out and wept bitterly. Like Peter, our confession of Jesus is only the beginning. We must grow in that confession and our understanding of just who Jesus is. And Jesus tells Peter in verse 17 of our text, Matthew 16. We're looking at verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon bar Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Peter was given that confession by God, who revealed Jesus to him. 
You can attend all the Sunday school classes you want, be faithful in all the Bible studies you want, but in the end, it's God who reveals the very person of Jesus to us. The Holy Spirit lets us know who it is. He teaches us so that we then in turn can turn and teach others. Don't misunderstand me. Sunday school is important. Bible study is important. But it's God who's going to give you the revelation through the Word of God. You're going to get it through the Bible. And if you never open it, you'll never get it. And if you only open it on Sunday, by the time you're ready to die, you'll have the equivalent of a kindergarten education. Spiritually. Now, I don't know about you, but we need to go further than kindergarten. There's so many people that come to Christ, and at one time they were very active in their faith. And where are they now? They've fallen away. They've chosen, well, the church didn't do what I wanted them to do for me. They became very selfish and self-centered. I didn't appreciate the way that was said. Well, I just, well, so-and-so hurt my feelings. Well, bless your little heart. Pucker that lip out a little bit more, would you? Don't you understand Jesus died for you? Don't let somebody's words stop you from going to church. Really? How deep was your relationship with God in the first place? Come on. But it happens all, every day, doesn't it? it? Happens all the time. It's so sad. John six forty four says, "No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day." Jesus made it very clear. He draws people to Himself. Another verse says, "If I be lifted up, I draw all men unto myself." Don't lift up the preacher. Don't lift up the elders. Don't lift up the deacons. Don't lift up the Sunday school teacher. Don't lift up the youth worker. Lift up Jesus. That's all we have to offer people is Jesus. Okay? And let's offer it in a great way. Let's offer it in, a, in a, an exciting way. And he's, he's, he's such a blessing to have in our life. Man, we need to let people know that. Amen? John twelve thirty two, And if I am lifted up, there it is, I draw all people to myself. I knew I had that verse in there. No one can truly call Jesus Lord except that the Holy Spirit enables you to do that. 1 Corinthians twelve three. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Has Jesus revealed to you who He is? 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that the drawing of God is open-ended. In fact, many places the Scripture tells us that it's not open-ended. If there is a delay in repeated refusals, the Scripture indicates that the drawing will cease. If you keep telling God no, 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 He's going to move on. The the invitation will always be available. But His focus is going to move on. Well, I don't ever feel Satan 
working on me. Well, he's already got you. Why would he need to work on you? You see? But if he doesn't have you, he's going to work on you. (laughs) If God's got you, Satan's going to work on you. That's when you're supposed to rejoice, according to James 1. Rejoice when you have all these virus trials and temptations because they work to the perfecting of our faith. Rejoice when trouble comes. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense either, does it? We cannot choose on our own to come to Jesus. We must accept that drawing. It's that pricking. It's that, it's that, uh, I don't know what word we'd use. What word you'd use. But anyway, God's the one that's calling you. You feel it. And you know it. And you finally respond. You finally turn loose to the back of the uh, chair in front of you. You finally turn loose to squeezing it during the invitation time. And you respond. During the Spanish-American War, Clara Barton was overseeing the work of the Red Cross in Cuba. One day, Colonel Theodore Roosevelt came to her and wanted to buy food for his sick and wounded Rough Riders. But she refused to sell it to him. Roosevelt was perplexed. His men needed the help and he was prepared to pay out of his own funds. And when he asked someone why he could not buy the supplies, he was told, Colonel, just ask for it. A smile broke over Roosevelt's face. He understood The provisions were not for sale. All he had to do was simply ask and they would be given freely. Freely. So the question still stands today. It's a personal question that touches the very depths of our souls. Who is Jesus to you. Who is Jesus to you? Not what you think about him, <clears throat> not what the world tells you about him, but what has God revealed to you about who Jesus is? Can you truly call him the Christ, the Son of the living God? Can you call him Lord, will you call Him Lord? Will you but ask Him into your life and into your heart? Would you pray with me, please? Father, we come to You asking You to guide our thoughts and our hearts right now. There may be someone in our audience today who's never ever claimed you as their Savior. They've thought about it, but they continue to put it off and put it off and put it off. Father, I pray that they would today let you make a difference in their life. That today they wouldn't put it off.
that today they would respond to you. There may be someone else here today, Father, that just needs a church home that they can call their church home. We'd love to have the opportunity to partner with them in fellowship together as a member of the church. And still others who are carrying a burden that they've never said out loud. For whatever reason, would they at least let us know so we could be praying for them? We don't have to know what it is, just that they need prayer. And God will be faithful to pray for them. If there's one that has a decision to make, would they make it today? Would they make it this morning? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.